Tales of mercenary musicians. Stories of those unsung full-time musicians who played the bars and lounges of America from the 50s to the present. That generation that dropped off cassette demos of their bands along with 8x10 glossies at bars and service clubs all over their towns. They had a tux in the closet for wedding gigs or satin rumba shirts and bell bottoms or both. Okay, so here we are, and this first episode, um, I have to thank my engineer and IT go-to, and she's coming. He's coming out from behind the board right now, and uh, join us for this first episode to get the youthful perspective, because this is about old guys telling their stories, and how it just ain't the same for you youngsters. Thanks for having me on. Good, good. So the internet's changed everything. The fact that I'm on this podcast is all thanks to you, because you went through about three different platforms of editing and this and that and the other thing just to get this done, and I barely can do like the old Sibelius when I get on a computer, so this has really been a great help to me, but that's what I'm talking about, and that's why these stories have to be preserved. A lot of people your age aren't going to get these experiences. Mm, definitely. I think that mostly... Uh, nowadays, people are just kind of hoping on being scouted and kind of basing their whole career on getting fame rather than money. Right. It's sort of like how many hits can you get on a YouTube uh, type entry or something or Instagram. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's great if scouts are counting those numbers, but for a guy that's in his 70s like I am, I'm not about to start chasing numbers all over the internet. Yeah. So this has been a great help to me. When we started out, I was like about your age. And we started playing at a VFW basement for a friend of somebody's in the band. And we were just goofing around. But they passed the hat. We got a little bit of cash. They let us drink some beer. Man, that was it for me. I wanted to be a mercenary musician. How could I go wrong? I don't think you ever get a chance at that. Or do you? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you'll remember, we played the Oktoberfest up at uh, Mount Snow, which is a uh, lodge, ski lodge uh, around the area. And uh, that was probably one of my most recent tastes of that mercenary musician lifestyle of kind of just playing more casually at a bar or restaurant. Well, absolutely. You're always my number one call for fiddle. And you were sitting there. They had a balcony around the top of where we were playing at the Summit Lodge. And everybody, it was a rotten day. So all the people that were there were staying upstairs and drinking at the bar. And they started making paper airplanes out of dollar bills. Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to hit his your case. Mm-hmm. That was a, definitely an interesting experience. That's unlike anything I have, I'd ever experienced. So you got away with, what did you get, 70 bucks or so in cash? Uh, in all in like singles? Was, yeah, it was like close to 70. Well, there you go. I remember warning you, this doesn't happen on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, a lot of my friends razzed me over the years. First, when my oldest daughter started playing drums, uh, they, they were oh man, don't do that. You know, you're going to get her hooked up. Look what a miserable life you have. Musicians, you know, we have such a bad time. You're really setting your kid up for failure. And they've always done that for me every time I talk about you playing fiddle <laughs> or playing uke with my group. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's the 
uh, older equivalent of what are you going to do with a liberal arts degree? <laughs> exactly. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? I mean, back in when I was a kid, my grandfather told me the only people who ever had a good meal were the guys who could play music in a bar room. So, you know, I mean, I thought of it that way. It was always like, you know, yes, and buy a house, you know. So that, that's the old school. Youth aren't doing that. So these stories that are going to come up, we're going to archive. And that's what this program's about. Um, past generation, my past generation, my teachers when I was young, were of yet another. They, they were guys who played vaudeville. Mm. Yeah. You have your teacher, you had a pretty accomplished uh, violin teacher. Yes, yeah. But uh, she ever tell, pass on any war stories? <laughs> no, definitely not. Hmm. Yeah, that's the di Well, you aren't in college yet, but when I was in college, uh, the low brass teacher I had, uh, I was there at the end of the day, and it was like 8 o'clock at night, and he'd be sitting there, and we'd have our lesson, and his lesson would last about 20 minutes while he complained about my intonation. And then he'd go down to the bottom, bottom of the filing cabinet and pull out a bottle of Canadian Club. And he'd pour us both a drink, and he'd start telling stories. Uh, I would never know some of the things that went down with those uh, pit bands in vaudeville theaters if it hadn't been for him. Um, one of the stories comes to mind that my generation absorbed was when he was sitting there right at the edge of the stage, trombone section. He was literally sitting with his ear at the edge of the stage. Curtain is a foot away. And they used to have the um, afternoon matinees where the kids would all come for the cowboy cereals and the, the star of the cereals of those those cowboy stars they would be in town with their horse and as a special treat they would come out on stage and they'd have the horse backstage and uh they would get skittish back there and right next to the guy's head i mean he's sitting there literally with the the horse clopping around right next to his head behind the curtain and he said one time the horse let go with a huge pee and it just ran over the edge of the stage. It doused the, uh, most of the brass oh section God. got splashed, yeah. Uh, he said, but they got their revenge because the next time that show came to town for that cowboy matinee, that same horse is there skittish and banging against the curtain. He slid the trombone slide up underneath the curtain mm. and kept poking the horse in his tender spot. And the horse would bounce around a little bit and reach up and poke it again. And finally the lights came up and they said, okay, and now introducing, he gave that horse one final poke. They played the fanfare, the curtains opened, and they said you could hear the children screaming <laughs> all the way across the city. Oh, my God. That horse was fully aroused and reared back on his hind legs. And, uh, yeah, you know, so these are the oh kinds of God. stories we hope we can pass on in our generation. I'm going to hope that a whole bunch of my friends call in either by phone by email, send me a text. I really don't care how it works out for you. Uh, it's going to be to S-U-C-R-E-T-S-U-C-H-O-R-E, -E, 48, at Gmail. I know it's a long one, but that's just the way it goes. Try it again. S-U-C-R-E-T-S-U-C-H-O-R-E, -E, 48, at Gmail. So get back to me, all you musicians that are in your 70s and 80s, wrapping up a career of just playing for pizzas and beer or, you know, playing with the local lounges, get in touch with me. I know you got stories, and I know we want to hear them. And don't forget to invest in Cowboy Pete's horse urine valve oil. That's right. Man, your horn smells great after that. <laughs>